One of the most popular foods in the world are tomatoes. Tomatoes are grown almost everywhere in the world today, and they've become the basis of several international cuisines. However, just a few hundred years ago, very few people were eating tomatoes as we know them today. In fact, even after they were cultivated, there were people that were terrified to actually eat them. Learn more about tomatoes, tomatoes, and their history on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. You've probably heard the old adage that you are what you eat. Nowhere is this more true than with the meats and seafood you consume. That's why ButcherBox sources only the highest quality meats and seafood. All of their beef is grass-fed and grass-finished. All of their chicken is pasture-raised. And all of their seafood is wild-caught. And they do this by finding only the best producers who can meet their high-quality standards. Make a commitment to eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered directly to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips. For free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a podcast you might be interested in called What Could Go Right. You're probably familiar with the newsroom dictum that says, if it bleeds, it leads. News outlets have an incentive to report negative news and downplay positive stories. But if you just listen to negative news, you may think that we're on the brink of disaster. But what if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're actually on the cusp of a better world? For a more optimistic view, I recommend tuning into a podcast that offers a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people. What Could Go Right is the acclaimed news podcast from the Progress Network. Zachary Carabal and Emma Varva-Lucas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time and make the case for a brighter future. Season 5 is out now and features fascinating expert guests that address many of the most important issues of our day. So it's time to ditch the doom scrolling and the polarization and start focusing on some of the things that go right. So check out What Could Go Right wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me start this episode by noting a few things. I'm going to use the American pronunciation of tomato, not the British pronunciation of tomato. That's because I'm an American and this is my podcast. The other thing is that a tomato is indeed a fruit. The distinction between a fruit and a vegetable is actually pretty clear, and a tomato is indeed a fruit as it is the seed-bearing part of a plant. It isn't necessarily sweet like an apple or an orange, but it is a seed-bearing fruit. However, from a culinary standpoint, it's often considered a vegetable, like other fruits such as cucumbers, peppers, eggplants, avocados, pumpkin, squash, and zucchini. So, with that, where do tomatoes come from? The exact origin of the tomato isn't clear, but they are believed to have come from the coastal region of western South America, which today includes Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, and northern Chile. All tomatoes today are thought to originate from a single species known as Solanum lycopersicum. The first tomatoes were thought to be nothing like the tomatoes we know today. They were most probably extremely small, probably the size of a berry, even smaller than a cherry tomato. What made the tomato useful was its domestication. Again, we don't know exactly where or when it was domesticated, but the earliest evidence points it to being grown in southern Mexico around the year 500 BC. 
Given the time, it was probably first cultivated by the Maya people. The cultivation of the tomato in Mexico resulted in the creation of many varietals which differed in color, texture, and shape. We honestly know very little about how tomatoes were used and grown from this period because there were no records kept about them. The first real documentation of tomatoes occurred with the arrival of the Spanish in the Americas. The Franciscan friar Bernardino de Sangun was one of the first Europeans to document the Aztec use of tomatoes. Sometime in the 1540s, he was walking around the Nahua market in the city of Tenochtitlan, which is today Mexico City. He recorded what he saw in his ethnographic record of the Aztecs, known as the Florentine Codex. He noted that there were, quote, large tomatoes, small tomatoes, leaf tomatoes, sweet tomatoes, large serpent tomatoes, and nipple-shaped tomatoes. He saw red, yellow, and green tomatoes. He also saw a wide variety of tomato-based sauces for sale, with chiles, mushrooms, and avocados included. My personal guess is that if you were to go back in time 500 years and visit the Nahua market, most of the foods you would see would probably be recognizable or at least familiar. The Spaniard who saw the potential in tomatoes as a food crop was the conquistador Hernán Cortés. He reportedly sent the first tomato back to Spain sometime in the 1520s. The first recorded mention of a tomato in Europe took place in 1544 by the Italian botanist Pietro Andrea Mattioli. He described it as a new type of eggplant that was red or gold in color and could be served like an eggplant. The Spanish began spreading tomato cultivation to their colonies throughout the world, not just in the Americas, but to Asia as well, in particular the Philippines. The English word tomato is derived from the Spanish word tomate, which itself comes from the Aztec word tomato. From the Philippines, the tomatoes were introduced to China and other Asian countries. In China, it was known as foreign eggplant. However, it would be several centuries before the plant really caught on in China. The association of tomatoes with eggplants, or aubergines if you happen to live in the Commonwealth, wasn't totally off the mark. Both tomatoes and eggplants are part of a family of plants called solanaceae, or nightshades. There are a lot of common plants in the nightshade family, one of which is known as belladonna, or deadly nightshade, a poison. The association with deadly nightshade actually led people in Europe to avoid the consumption of tomatoes for several hundred years. It was known as the poison apple and was thought to be responsible for the deaths of several aristocrats. It turns out that tomatoes may have been indirectly responsible for poisoning, but not because the tomatoes were poisonous. Many of the plates used by upper-class people at that time were made out of pewter, and pewter often contained lead. The acidic nature of the tomatoes leached lead out of the pewter and, after repeated consumption, may have resulted in lead poisoning. Throughout the 16th and 17th centuries, most of the tomatoes grown in Europe weren't for consumption, but rather as ornamental plants for flower gardens. It took a while for tomatoes to become accepted as a food source in Europe. They were consumed in the Caribbean and in Spain, but most of Europe still believed that they were unfit for consumption because of their association with nightshade. One of the first cookbooks that actually mentioned tomato recipes was published in 1692 in Naples, Italy. Tomatoes arrived in North America via the British, completing a very long route going from South America to Europe back to North America. They were first recorded as being grown in South Carolina in the early 18th century. Tomatoes were considered an acceptable food in the South, but it was still largely feared in the North. Adoption of the tomato took time, but it picked up steam throughout the 18th century. Thomas Jefferson had tomatoes when he was stationed in France and brought some back with him to grow in his home in Monticello, Virginia. In Italy, tomatoes began to find a place in Italian cuisine. Tomatoes were grown for use in sausages, and different ones were grown for dried tomatoes. 
tomato varietal spread because it was so easy to breed new varietals of tomatoes. In Italy, different types of tomatoes were often known by the towns that they were developed in, similar to wines. It was really tomato sauce which created what we know as pizza in Naples and separated it from other flatbread dishes. The last vestiges of tomatoes being thought of as a poisonous fruit disappeared in the 19th century. As more and more people began eating tomatoes and tomato-based foods, more people realized that the old rumors were false and it was considered to be safe. However, even when the reputation of tomatoes improved, in the 1830s, tomato worms appeared in New York that had a horn on their head. People began to think that the worm was now transferring some sort of poison into the tomato, making it unfit to eat. Nonetheless, despite such setbacks, tomato-based recipes rapidly spread throughout the early 19th century, and tomato consumption increased as well. Tomato use spread to North Africa and the Middle East, where it quickly became a staple of the cuisine. Tomatoes underwent a complete rebranding, going from being considered dangerous to healthy. Tomato pills were actually sold as health supplements. Tomatoes became a staple food, and one of the reasons it was so popular is because they were so easy to grow in a wide variety of climates. However, tomatoes were still rather finicky. They were difficult to grow on a large scale. This was partially solved by a botanist by the name of Alexander Livingston, who developed the Paragon tomato in 1870 and the Acme tomato in 1875. In 1876, Henry J. Hines released a commercial brand of ketchup that was sold in stores. Until this point, ketchup had been something that was made at home, with everyone having a slightly different recipe. In 1893, the United States Supreme Court declared tomatoes to be a vegetable for the purpose of taxing imports, which was the source of debate about tomatoes being a fruit or a vegetable. In 1897, Joseph Campbell realized that tomatoes would keep well when canned and developed condensed tomato soup. The early 20th century saw the rise of large-scale tomato production in Central California, which proved to be a great location for tomatoes. The dry conditions in the Central Valley discouraged the growth of fungi, which could ruin entire crops. In the 1940s, great strides in tomato research were made by Charles Rick, a University of California geneticist. He took multiple bioprospecting trips to South America to find the original wild varietals that tomatoes came from. He also found varietals of tomatoes that were resistant to worms and some that easily fell off the vine. Despite the increased popularity of tomatoes, they were still a difficult crop to produce because they were very difficult to harvest. They had to be harvested by hand because the skins were so thin that they could easily be damaged. In the late 1950s, Jack Hanna, a botanist at the University of California, Davis, developed a new varietal of tomato that had a thicker skin. This innovation allowed for tomatoes to be grown that could be harvested by machine, something which hadn't been possible before. Despite the advances made in tomato cultivation, there have been problems with the development of modern tomatoes. They were bred to encourage certain traits to make them easier to grow and harvest. The one thing they weren't necessarily selectively bred for was taste. This has led to a resurgence in the growth of heritage varietals, which usually taste much better than the ones grown for commercial use. One of the unique properties of tomatoes is that they're uniquely suited to be grown in greenhouses. There's now a small industry in hydroponically grown tomatoes that can be grown year-round, even in cold climates. Today, tomatoes are the second most popular culinary vegetable in the world behind only potatoes. The global tomato harvest is now worth about $197 billion annually, representing almost 190 million metric tons. The world's largest producers of tomatoes are in order, China, India, Turkey, and the United States. 
Tomatoes aren't just a staple of Italian cuisine, but can be found in foods all over the world, in cuisines as diverse as Mexico, Morocco, and even some dishes in China. One of the most popular condiments in the world is ketchup, and one of the most valuable in terms of sales is salsa, which is also tomato-based. One of the biggest tomato festivals can be found every year outside of Valencia, Spain, La Tomatina. La Tomatina is the world's largest tomato fight, with thousands of people throwing truckloads of tomatoes at each other every year at the end of August. Tomatoes have had a very strange history. They went from being completely unknown outside of a small section of the Americas, to being feared as being a poisonous plant, to becoming one of the most popular foods in the world. The executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Charles Daniel. The associate producers are Peter Bennett and Cameron Kiefer. I wanted to give a big thanks to everyone who supports the show on Patreon. Your support helps me put out a new show every day. And if you're interested in Everything Everywhere Daily merchandise, Patreon is currently the only place where it's available. And if you'd like to talk to other listeners of the show and get notified of future episodes and projects, please join my Facebook group or Discord server. Links to everything are in the show notes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes Attack of the Killer Tomatoes They'll beat you, bash you, squish you, mash you, chew you up for brunch And finish you off for dinner or lunch 